0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. This episode of the Raptors Everything Podcast is brought to you by our official sponsor, Kentucky Fried Chicken, the new official food of basketball. So make sure you're never missing buckets. Order yours online at kfc.ca and get it before tip-off. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors' 133-118 to loss to the Denver Nuggets. Look, man, people are freaking out a little bit. Raptors lost three straight. You can kind of understand the Bucks' loss. Um, you can understand this loss, too. And, of course, in between that, there was kind of a very strange game where they lost to the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, but uh, you got to give the Hornets actually a little bit of credit. I, just, I watched a little bit of that game they had against the um, the Milwaukee Bucks, And, first off, they held Milwaukee under 100 points and were actually okay. So, clearly, whatever the, the Hornets are doing right now, it's working a little bit. But this game, um, I don't know. I wasn't that frustrated by it because I kind of accepted the fact that this was going to be a very, very difficult game. Not that the Raptors couldn't win it, but the result was always heavily tilted towards the Nuggets. I couldn't believe the Nuggets were only favored by three points heading into this game. I don't bet on sports, but, you know, if I did, I would have put a, a lot of money on the Nuggets it Only in the sense that there's a couple of factors going their way. So, first off, the Raptors are going on the road. Um... You know, playing in Denver, in the altitude, never easy. The Raptors are a good road team, but, um, you know, the the Nuggets are just, have always been, like, historically speaking, an excellent um, home team. Um, You know, two, the Nuggets just got waxed by the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. And after that game, their head coach, uh, Mike Malone, came out and called out the Nuggets for being soft. And so uh, you knew they were going to come out, you knew they were going to respond, you knew they were going to have a very determined and uh, strong-willed effort, and that's what we saw today. And then three, this game was freaking impossible because the Raptors were going up against one of the best centers in the NBA, if not the best center in the NBA right now, Nikola Jokic, and they were doing that without a single viable center on the roster. Look, man, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris Boucher, like, you know, it's it's cool he's had a couple of moments this year, but, like, let's be real, that's, that's not a real center, all right? We're talking about Nikola Jokic, who honestly... He's he's amazing. Like he's he's amazing. He played amazing tonight, and you don't have Serge Ibaka, who continues to be out with knee soreness. You don't have Marc Gasol, who has pretty much missed half the year with a hamstring issue. It's really worrisome at this point. Um, and of course, you don't even have Fred VanVleet, who you know whatever. It's not the biggest deal that you don't have Fred VanVleet, but still, he's actually one of the best in the league in terms of the, um, in, in the point guard position, in terms of guys who can dig down in the post and sort of bother a guy. Maybe it doesn't really apply to Jokic because he's so savvy, but still, um, you know, Fred VanVleet is actually pretty important to the defense. And so when you don't have a viable center on the floor and you're throwing out there Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, look, man, there's, there's levels to this, all right? It, it's, Ron, you know, Ronda did a great job against Carr-Anthony Towns. That's Carr-Anthony Towns. Carantin Towns and Nikola Jokic on two different levels. All right. Nikola Jokic is savvy. He doesn't panic. He plays defense. You know, even though he's not necessarily the great defender, but he plays more defense than Cat. And um he's just more physical. Like he's he's got he must have like 30 pounds on Cat. Um and the way Ronde was able to sort of front and stand up to Cat, like that doesn't exist. That that doesn't happen with uh with with Jokic. Jokic is just too big of a load to handle. And so they're you know, there was just a huge problem right off the right from the get go in the sense that the Raptors couldn't really guard the post. Jokic is a big, big problem down there. And the thing is, the Raptors have done a really good job this season of sending two bodies at the number one option on the other side and stopping the team's best player. Uh, we've seen it against pretty much everybody, you know, whoever Dame Lillard, LeBron, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, whoever Giannis, we just saw it right. They did a pretty good job, you know, limiting those guys and holding them to a below-average game. The thing is, you can't really do that with Jokic. You just can't. Um, because if you double him, he is one of the best passers in the NBA. Not even just for his position. No, no, no screw that. Like, for any player in the NBA, Jokic is one of the best passes. saw a number of just gorgeous dimes. Cross-court passes, you know, full-court passes where he collects a rebound on one hand, flings it to the other side of the floor. Um... And so when the Raptors double teamed and, you know, they usually use their swarming defense, especially they swarmed, obviously, because they had a six foot five guy guarding him in the post. When they swarmed uh, and collapsed the paint, uh, Jokic just picked them apart with their passing. And it didn't help that, look, you're basically gambling defensively that you're going to take Jokic out of the game. Um, and take away the paint and hope the Nuggets have a below-average 9 from 3. That did not happen. It was not happening from the jump. The Nuggets opened the game shooting 9 of 9 from the 3-point line. Look, of course, some of those were open. The Raptors were definitely swarming the paint, and they were not getting out there, and defensively, they did not come to play in the first half. Having said that, 9 for 9 to start, and they finished the game shooting 50%, 18 of 36 and that just wasn't enough. Like, the Raptors, they needed the Nuggets to have a cold night from three. If they were going to have any chance to steal this one. It didn't happen. And so what the end result is is that the Raptors had one of their worst defensive performances of the season. Some of that is systematic. Um, some of that is just, you know, a reflection of the personnel. And some of that is the fact that, look, the Raptors just didn't, you know, have the same intensity as they normally would. But at the same time, the Nuggets, you got to give them full credit. They played really well. From the Raptors' perspective, I mean, the number one story should be O.J. Anobi, and I, I, you know, that is a very, very encouraging development, and if you want to look at just OG's performance, this is incredibly promising for the long-term prospects of the Raptors um, because it really opens your eyes, but I'm going to talk a lot about OG in just a second, but really, to me, the story of the game still is Pascal Siakam, who, you know, this was not a good night for Pascal. This is one of those nights where he's banging his head and... um you know he's trying to throw whatever he can, but he's just struggling. He's running in mud, and quite honestly, he's had a couple of games this year against top tier competition where Pascal hasn't necessarily been as effective. Now, granted, look, whatever, man. Uh, the top teams are the top teams for a reason. They guard, they defend. They're not easy. To, it's not easy to just go up against number one, you know, or you know, just great defenses, um, and do your thing. But at the same time, Pascal was really going through it tonight, man. Six of twenty-one from the field, one of seven from three, only got to the free throw line for four times, had four turnovers, minus thirteen, and it's just when you watch this game, he was just kind of beat up. And it, it kind of really just exposes the limitations that, that are in Pascal's game right now. And um, you know, I'm gonna be negative first and then I'm gonna go to the positives because I swear there will be some positives from this. But um in terms of the, you know, in terms of limitations, teams are kind of figuring it out right now. Pascal's jump shot is not at the point where um, you need to overreact to it. If he hits a couple of threes, whatever. But for the most part, they're going to sag back. They're going to collapse the paint. They're going to go under the, the screens, uh, and they're really going to send a second defender to swarm in the post if he gets even close. They're going to be really physical with him. They're going to limit his pa- transition opportunities. To be honest, he has so many defensive responsibilities with everyone out right now that he there's not even that many transition opportunities for him. He needs to be back there challenging a lot of shots. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's difficult, man. Like, you know, you watch it today, Pascal and Jokic are both players that operate out of the post, but there's just levels, man. There's levels like Pascal. He got into the post, the double came. He was struggled to find the guy. He did have five assists on the night. Two of those were just kick out threes, the OG, whatever. But you know, it wasn't like Pascal was terrible at passing the ball. I just, there's just a different level between what Pascal can provide out of the post in terms of passing as compared to what Jokic can provide. And Jokic can have the little, you know, sweet jumper where he sort of, like, just stands up and loops the jumper over the shorter defender, usually. Um, You know, Jokic can have that strength to sort of get to, you know, uh, down low on the block and really take his position and have go up, you know, without his shot being affected. Pascal nowadays... We've seen it. Teams are becoming really, really physical with him. And unless the foul call comes, and basically he's not really looking for the foul call. Like he's not really pump faking and then jumping into contact. He did that once today, he got the foul call. But for the most part, Pascal is just operating in the post. Teams teams are being super uh physical with him. And defenses I and mean, the referees are just letting it happen. Um, which is, you know, whatever, honestly. That's probably what's gonna happen in the playoffs. So um when that happens, you know, Pascal's forced to change a shot, and the strength isn't quite there. The touch for him, you know, it's, it's been tough. He's already, he's already taking pretty difficult shots, so it's, it's hard to say. It's just a lack of touch. We saw him last year. Pascal was a really good player in terms of his finishing around the rim with his touch, but just of late, it has not really been there for him. And, you know, it's just, the rest of it is just a perimeter game. This is not quite there for him to attack and get all the way to the basket. You never see that happen. You just, you never do it. I mean, obviously, defense are keying in on him and anybody going straight to the basket at six foot nine is a breakdown. But at the same time, you're not seeing him, you know, shake his man off the perimeter and then get inside for a dunk. You're not seeing that. Um. You know, when he even gets in the post against some of the smaller guys now, he's he's leaving a couple layups short. He had an opportunity against Jamal Murray where, you know, post up, spin right at the rim, left it right on the rim. Uh, an opportunity late in the game where maybe the Raptors are already done at this point, but still, Pascal goes down the lane. Jokic is there. You think Pascal's going to take off and dunk on this guy. Not even poster him, but just like go up strong and finish. But Pascal goes in for a layup. He misses it, gets the rebound, goes up for a layup, misses it, and it's just like. You know, it's frustrating to see. And then the, the face-up game, you know, the, the jumper is just... It's inconsistent. Like, you know, he's won, he was 1-for-7 today. And, you know, it's not even necessarily a 1-for-7 from 3 that's so bad. There was one attempt that he had from mid-range where he kind of had the... Ba- he, saw, he saw the defender laying off of him. He's faced up. He took the jumper, and I, it, it hit, like, the side of the rim. And it was just... You know, it, it's just... It's just tough right now. It really is just tough right now. And, and you know... You compound with the fact with, look, if you're going to draw double teams, you're going to play against physical defenses, at least you would think you get a lot of assists or you get a lot of free throws. At least that's, you know, generally speaking, the next step for a superstar to get to is to get to those points where if, you know, defenses are keen to take you away, can you sort of distribute that attention and make everyone else better? That's what Jokic did tonight. That's why the Nuggets had 133 points. That also wasn't quite there. Again, only four free throw attempts and five assists in, in 40 minutes. um look... It's going to be a learning process for Pascal. This whole season is a learning process for Pascal. I've said, you know, I said a lot in early in the season. Um, you know, you know, during the season, you kind of get swept up in the results and the wins and stuff like that. Everything is great. But at the same time, um, a lot of this year is about development. It's about how much better can these guys get. And in particular, it's about how much better Pascal can get. Um, and we saw him at the start of the year when defenses didn't quite know what to do with them, when they were covering him single coverage a lot more, um, Pascal was able to get what he wanted. He was able to be at a superstar level. But there's difficulties to that. You don't just become a superstar overnight. It's not like that. It's not like a LeBron or a Zion or a Luka situation. Pascal is not one of those guys. Pascal needs to be one of those guys that develops and, and, and gets his teeth cut and just keeps going and keeps coming back, gets stopped, and then learns how to adapt and keep going like that. Because... You know, these games are going to happen, man. Uh, it's, it's all learning process. What we're seeing right now is growing pains from Pascal. Um, you know, this is, this is just what happens to you. Life as the number one guy is not that fun, to be honest. Like, yeah, you got all these shots and stuff, but you got all the responsibility as well. And when you lose a game like this, when you're outplayed by another team that has a superstar, you're like you know, it becomes kind of clear. And people are going to, like, be upset and people are going to turn on you a little bit. Look, man, he he did not play well enough to be a number one guy to win tonight, just like he didn't play well enough to be a number one guy to win against Charlotte, just like he wasn't number one guy to play against Milwaukee. Does that mean he can't get to that level? Of course not. We've seen it this year. We've just been a handful of games this year where Pascal's really stepped up to it. But it's that consistency that has to get there. And it's also just, like, he needs to get better with his overall skill set. And that's where you're reminded of the fact that it's a development process, right? You know, this ascent for Pascal has been really fast and it sort of made you think and believe that everything can be possible. And I guess it is, but at the same time, you're not just going to get there overnight. You're really not, man. Um, and what I hope is that Pascal takes opportunities like this games like this. And he sort of learns from that. You know, I think he has a pretty good idea based on his post game quotes and everything like that, where he needs to improve. I think the team has a pretty good idea of how they need to use him better. We see Nick nurse talk about the fact that you got to force Pascal because you need to get him more reps because he needs to get better as a one on one guy as a as a main guy um and you know we're seeing the, his teammates trust him there was one play where you know OG was having an amazing game and OG was in the post and he had he had he had position and he had a hot hand and Pascal's on the perimeter and you know Pascal looked at him he's like yo get out the way i want to attack And OG cleared out cuz you know what Pascal was still that dude you know, on, the back, on a rough night where Pascal's missing everything and OG's you know having a, a career night doesn't really matter, man. <laughs> he's still that dude. And so his teammates are there and they respect him. But, yeah, he needs to get there. You know what I mean? All right, right now, I think what we're, what we're kind of seeing is that a lot of nights he's not there. And today he was not there. And I don't think there's any shame in saying that. I don't think it's like, you know, shit he can't hear or anything like that. I'm, first off, I'm sure he's not even fucking listening to something like this. But, um, you know, I, I think when he reflects on a game like this, when he thinks about a game like this, you know, it's gonna make him tougher it's gonna make him better and if he responds the right way if he keeps improving whether that's over the course of this season or in the off season or beyond or whatever um that's all ultimately pascal's gonna get better and that's how ultimately the raptors gonna get better but yeah pascal was just not good enough today and it exposed a lot of his limitations um in terms of the positives from this game og and Obi, holy shit the only reason the raptors are even competitive in this game sorry i don't know why i'm swearing so much today but um the only reason that the Raptors were even competitive for most of this game was because OG and Obi played out of his, you know, bleeping mind. Like, oh, my God. First off, <laughs> um, OG's had an up-and-down season, too. It's not as pronounced because Pascal is the number one guy. Life is different for a number one guy as compared to OG, who, you know, most nights fifth option for the Raptors when they're fully healthy. But, um... Yeah, tonight, holy crap. This re- this really goes to show the kind of potential OG has. 32 points tonight with seven steals. Seven. He's the first player in Raptors history to have back-to-back games with six-plus steals. Uh, he had six against the Charlotte Hornets, and I thought he was their best number player. He got the number one star, and today he's going to number one star again. You know, spoiler alert, but yeah, seven steals, man. I mean, OG was just everywhere defensively, and to be honest, OG was the only guy who actually played above his capabilities defensively tonight. Look, I know the Raptors are shorthanded and stuff, but 133 points and allowing the Nuggets to shoot, like, above 55% all game, you know. uh, Still, it's just kind of below the Raptors. But, yeah, OG was really good tonight defensively. In the first half, nobody could stop Jokic. I'm not saying OG could stop Jokic either, but there were three plays where Jokic received a post-entry pass, and either OG broke up that pass or swatted it out of uh, Jokic's hands and took it the length of the floor for a dunk three times in one half. That's some Kawhi Leonard stuff right there. That's some young Kawhi defensive player the year-level stuff right there. And look, that that comparison gets thrown out there all the time. Every time it happens, I like to say that, you know, just be careful. That's, that's a lot to put on a guy. Today, totally appropriate, bro. This, is, this was a kawhi S performance from, from OG tonight. He was incredible his confidence was really high you know uh he you know just no hesitation on two wing threes um the dunks the finishes you know leaking on transition catching out loops and stuff og was great and he had what i thought was the case play of the game where um pascal they were guarding a baseline inbound uh the nuggets you know perimeter guys gonna get open uh they were trying to throw it to the center out top basically the last option pascal reads it Jumps backwards, tips it from uh, you know Mason Plumlee's hands, and the ball's rolling out of bounds. OG dives out of bounds, throws the pass mid-air over his shoulder out in front to to find Pascal streaking out for in transition for a dunk. Um, and yeah, OG was just you know he he played his heart out today, and this again. A lot of the stuff OG can do on a nightly basis. I'm not saying he's going to be 32 points, seven steals and 7 rebounds. We're not saying that OG and OB is going to be Scottie Pippen or something. But, like, man, OG can do a lot of the stuff regularly in terms of just that activity defensively. Like, he is one of the best defenders in the NBA, period. Um, we've seen it this year. We have seen it this year. Uh, he is, honestly, all defensive level um his versatility uh, the ability he has as a bigger player to hound perimeter guys I mean like there's one play where he got called for a foul eventually Jamal Murray tried to dribble at him Jamal Murray you know is 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 a big time player and he's on his home floor and whatever you're not going to just harass him for 10 straight seconds and not get a foul call but there was a play where OG defended like three guys and switched over to Jamal and, and then just like pressured the ball and just it's, it's it's great and also just like his ability to just break up passes whether that's dribble handoffs and things like that uh, intercept passing lanes you know it, his just defensibility is 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 rare and he's so strong for a guy guarding on the perimeter but it's, it's the stuff offensively he can do more like the one thing that I thought was really promising when I was offensive him today is that he went back to the post-up which you know early in the season he did a lot more posting up because you know Marcus all was out there to space the floor um and you know uh, Microsoft out there to distribute and sort of, uh, you know, allow OG to cut off the ball, maybe get a mismatch off a switch and then throw the ball, you know, high low pass down in uh, down into the post. But OG was able to get in the post against Romare and just like bully him, you know, like he's strong. He's really strong. and That's where the next step for OG might be. If, he, if he's going to be more of a more than just a three and D player is that, you know, OG can create more of his own offense If he's going down into the post, I mean, if you look at the trajectory that Pascal went on, these guys are very different players. But, you know, if you go look at the trajectory Pascal went on, he really made a name for himself and he really became somebody when he started going into the post and when he made that post up uh, move a consistent part of his package. And OG doesn't really have like the the quickness and, um, you know, just the ability to move the way that Pascal does on the fluidity, but he has the strength that Pascal currently lacks. And OG can just straight up, like, he has a lot of guards on him. Again, he's the fifth option. Most times t- defenses are stashing someone bad on him. And OG can just really take those guys down in the post and just basically put them under the rim. They're probably not going to help. Um And, yeah, it's just one thing where the Raptors can look for more, but he was phenomenal today, man. Um Wow, like I, it's it was eye opening, honestly. Like, and the way he was just keeping the rappers in it was crazy. Uh, what was great is that he also hit a bunch of his free throws, which is nice because OG definitely had some issues with his free throws early in the year. Tonight he shot five five from the free throw line. You know, again, it's a minor thing, but for OG that's that that's a bit of an improvement. And and overall, you know, it's just you know it is what it is with a game like this. It really is. Oh, actually, one more guy that I wanted to mention that was positive was Norman Powell. Um, I think with Norm. This game says a lot about his improvements on the season because he only made one three-pointer. He shot one of six from three, and yet he still had an efficient 24 points on nine of 17 shooting, including five of six on the free throw line. Why is this important? Well, I mean, like, early in the season, when you looked at Norm, you're like, I'm not sure if this is a real improvement or if it's um, a situation where he's just hot and, you know, he's hitting some shots. You know, because there were a lot of games where he would come in, he would bang like five threes, and all of a sudden he's at 20 points, and you're like, wow, what a great game. But, you know, is he able to do this consistently? Well, this is a game where he doesn't even shoot the three well, and he's still scoring, and he's still giving you 20. He's giving you 24, to be to be exact, his uh, his jersey number. But, yeah, I, I think what it speaks to is the improvements in his finishing ability. Uh, if you watch... Just if you watched all nine baskets from Norman Powell made today, a lot of those were driving to the rim. Um, but you know, early in his career, he was kind of like a Terrence Davis type, would just go straight to the basket, try to jump over guys, try to dunk through guys. He has a bit of strength, maybe go into the body and try to finish over the contact, whatever. Um, and what it led to was below average numbers in terms of finishing at the rim. His efficiency there was not as good. This year he's shooting a career best in terms of within the restricted area in terms of percentage. And if you look at it today, it's not a surprise. Look at how he's doing it. It's he's playing entirely differently than he did before. The subtlety that he has in terms of finishing around the basket, whether that's, you know, going into the euro step in transition, you know, to sort of avoid the contact or at least get get himself an angle, whether he's taking an extra dribble. To sort of change the angle in which he's finishing at the basket, whether he's sort of um, doing a hop step and again avoiding the defender and trying to get you know that extra you know degree of freedom to sort of get to the rim, or you know when he drives baseline going in reverse and avoiding the contact. And that's not saying he's finishing soft; he's not doing that. What he's doing is he's being smarter about how he's getting his shot off, and there's more subtlety to it. There's more patience to it. There's more maturity. And there's the thing: the great thing is Norman Powell has always been able to get to the rim, always. Always, as, as since he was a rookie, he's been able to get to the rim. He has a good handle uh, in terms of creating a shot, and he can get there. But, you know, it's that finishing that's always been a little disappointing for him. Um, and of late, it's just been really good. Today, he was really good. And, you know, th- the thing is, he's developing more moves. Like, you will come off the pickerole roll now. He did it against uh, Charlotte where he had this, like, very impressive flicking one-handed rainbow shot from uh, the elbow area. Today, he, he drove in a little deeper, but still had this little floater game going for him. And if he can hit that, too, and, and become more sophisticated in terms of that, then, yeah, why can't he be a guy who, when he, sc- when he scores 20 points, you're not surprised. Because the thing is, he can shoot threes, too, you know. Like, he is a good catch-and-shoot three-point uh, three shooter. I mean, he was one for six today. Um, but, you know, he hit four threes against Charlotte. He's been above 40% on this season. He can do that, <laughs> and so he's good for probably like two to three threes a night. And then you throw in the like the, the added finishes, whether that's in transition, whether that's off a broken play, whether that's you know, increasingly, he can even tack a set defense off a high screen and, and finish. Um, that stuff's really important. And the Raptors this year they could use all the help they can get offensively. Uh, and so seeing Norm Powell play the way he is is very encouraging. I think when Marcus inevitably gets back, that's going to be even better because Norm and Mark have always had really good chemistry. Um, dating back to, you know, when Mark joined the team last year, they had an instant chemistry off the bench in those, you know, handful of games where OG or uh, Mark played off the bench with Norm. And so the ball movement obviously is better, the spacing is better. Uh, So I'm just encouraged by Norm's play. Again, he didn't even shoot the three that well. He still had 24 points. It was still efficient. He got to the free throw line. Um, And, and yeah, I'm just – again, this year is about development, all right? And, you know, in that front, there were two for three. Norm's doing it. Norm's probably the most improved player on the team, to be honest. Uh, And there's a lot of guys who have improved. But Norm's doing it. OG did it today. And it's just disappointing that Pascal couldn't do it. But, again, learning lessons, you know? It is what it is. Again, they were on the road against Denver Nuggets. And again, man, like they didn't even have a center. Like, how were you going to really expect to do anything against this team in this current state? It's just, it was always going to be an uphill battle. Jokic today had 23 points, 18 rebounds, 11 assists on 8 of 11 shooting with 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Only two turnovers. Like, bruh. I don't know, man. <laughs> That's what happens when you try to guard him without a center. There's one play that I had a screen grab- grabbed, and if you go on my Twitter account, at william underscore lou you can find it but there's one play where the raptors had all five guys around Jokic in the post and guess what Jokic still you know scored on that possession because he got fouled on a shooting uh on a putback and um he drained both free throws and you know Jokic is amazing again you just we just need some centers man and this is where you know the lack of third string center they've had it you know, as a third stringer, Chris Boucher, not that bad. But when you actually you need know, to play important extended minutes, the man gives you four fouls in nine minutes. You know, he's 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 letting good people cut back door. Uh, the awareness isn't there. He's driving in transition and throwing a pass directly into a turnover that leads directly into a layup. You just, you, it's hard to trust that. And beyond that, it's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson playing out of position at five. Like, yo, that's not his position. This guy's showing you a lot of heart by playing this in the first place. But that's not his position. So... It's tough, but it you know it is what it is. So in terms of your three stars tonight, I'm giving the first star obviously. OJ Anobi. 32.7 rebounds, three assists, seven steals on 12 of 16 shooting, three of six from deep, which means he shot nine of 10 from the two point range. Holy shit! And five of five from the free throw line. Og was phenomenal tonight. I can't believe it. If you, if you just go go watch OJ Anobi's highlight package from this game. This is incredible. Second star, I'm giving that to Omar Powell. 24 points, six rebounds one block 9 of 17 shooting from the field 40 minutes by the way for for Norm Powell uh in his second game <clears throat> back from injury on the road uh, not ideal not ideal the bench definitely is not providing enough right now in their current state but uh yeah Norm Powell 24 points 9 of 17 shooting 1 3 but he does shoot 5 of 6 from 3 and again the uh, fit, uh the efficiency and everything like that he's he's playing really well and then your third star you know I'll give it to Kyle. He fought. He scrapped. Uh, it wasn't the greatest game from Kyle. He shot 17 points on four 14 shooting. But, you know, he did his uh, little Kyle things things, and he got to the free throw line seven times. And that sort of made up for the fact that he didn't shoot that well from three. Uh, but he had five rebounds, eight assists. He fought hard. He scrapped. He battled. You know, whatever. It's not an exceptional Kyle Lowry game, but objectively speaking, he was their third best player tonight. In terms of the Gerald Henderson Award, that's got to go to Tory Craig. Oh, my God. This guy came off the bench and had 17 points on in 16 minutes on 7-11 shooting, three of six from three. The three-threes really kill you because he's a 32% three-point shooter. Um, and really, it's kind of a, the combined combo of Tory Craig and uh, Jeremy Grant. Those two guys are the guys who, if you look at the rest of the talent on that team in the starting lineup, Gary Harris can do some things, although he's having a down year. He had a good game today. Jamal Murray can definitely do some things. Nikola Jokic is a star. Will Barton is a pretty good scorer. The guy you leave open is Jeremy Grant, and he was really good tonight. Um, he's having a pretty good season on the whole, and he's a big reason why the Nuggets are good. It's a great add from the OKC uh, Thunder, but yeah, the, the, when you when you have Grant, who's objectively speaking the fifth option, and also Craig, who is not a scorer, combined for thirty three points, you're you're toast. <laughs> That's it. So um, maybe they can share it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that does it for the podcast. Uh, one service note: if um, you haven't already, um, the Raptors' everything live call-in show uh, has changed times. It's no longer a Friday afternoon to three thirty. It is going to be Monday nights at six p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, where me and Josh will take your calls on the Raptors. You can watch live on the Iowa Sports Canada YouTube page. There, uh, if you can actually call in that, in that you know hour hour ish that we uh, go live. What you can do is leave us a message at the Yahoo Sports Canada Instagram page. Direct message us. Leave us a voice note, whether that's you know a question, whether that's a comment, whether that's a hot take, whatever you want. Um, I'm sure you have some thoughts after tonight's game. Go to the Yahoo Sports Canada Instagram page. Leave us a voicemail, and uh, we'll play it on the show. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, it's unfortunate that they lost. It's understandable that they lost, but you know, really the whole thing for this game is just... OG was amazing, and Pascal needs to be amazing too. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to KFC sponsoring the podcast. And I'll be uh, back, I guess, on Monday. Make, uh, give us a call, you know? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.